You're listening to the AI Optimist with Declan Dunn. Did you know it's AI Black Friday? That's right. Today, save 20 to 40% of the time you waste in your life and on business using GPTs, AI assistants, and AI agents. I'm going to show you what I did in my last pod 18 about creating my own GPT and take you through how to create what we call an intelligent workflow. Fancy words for defining how you can save time, that time you waste, 20 to 40% of your job is often waste on administrative tasks, things you don't wanna do. And what's really surprising is a lot of people resist AI. They're like, it's gonna replace me. It's gonna take me away. You know, you already use AI. Imagine this, you're driving around and you don't know where you're going. Do you pick up a paper map like I did when I was growing up and figure out north, south, east, west, and where you were? No, you use Google Maps or Waze or any other mapping application. You press a button, you say, hey, get me from here to here, and it tells you where to turn, where to go. It's really common now. And what's sort of funny is those mapping agents have made us, our skills of getting around with paper maps sort of atrophy. And do we really need them back? That's what you're facing with AI. It's like saying, no, I don't want, I want to stick with paper maps. No more ways, no more Google maps. Uh, uh-uh. I want to do it because that's what AI agents and assistants do for us. Sure, you could do it yourself, but this is about a co-pilot, just like Netflix shows you movies. Spotify gives you audios based on your behaviors and helps you. So this is what we're going to explore, how to do this with a four-step process. In fact, let me go through that for you right now, fast. Freeing time with AI agents, the four keys to intelligent workflows. Number one, goals. AI can't fix unclear goals. Remember that. Number two, efforts. Get rid of the most boring tasks. A problem well-defined is a problem solved easily. This is a key. Number three, communicate. Listen and learn with AI. Don't have invisible messages and overcomplicate things. Make AI work for you and help your people and help you do a better job. Number four, review and revisit. AI needs review too. It's not automatic, not close. So is it helping people? Do they need training or does the AI? Remember number five, free time by getting rid of the time wasters. All right, I'll slow that down a little bit for you. And before we step into it, think of the four steps. Number one, goals. Setting a clear purpose. Focus and doable is vital. And who else will be involved in achieving this goal if this is your job? Efforts. What tasks do you hate and what can you automate with AI? Number three, communicate. Remember, communication is the heart of everything. And it's where all this gets lost. Communicating between people. That's where a lot of the lack of efficiencies happen. And then number four, review and revisit. You got to make sure, just like if you hired an employee, you do quarterly and yearly reviews to help them and help yourself. You got to treat AI the same way. In fact, what's funny is it demands a new way of thinking. And before I show you an example of how to break this down using my data-wise analyzer that I created with GPT, let's take a listen to Amadeus CEO, who's going to show you 
of what an intelligent workflow really is. It was funny because when you're saying with like ChatGPT, you know, they just came out, OpenAI just came out this week with create your own GPT and you don't need to do coding and it's fun and I've been playing with it. But to your point, a lot, it just ends up creating more spokes, like I'll solve this and I'll solve that. I'm not saying anything against it more. It was sort of interesting that it still relies on me to figure out where I can put this in the workflow, where the workflow is, needs to be more intelligent and help me how to make the workflows more efficient that inherently aren't, I wouldn't say they're not efficient, but we have habits. This is what we had. We've been but you use it. You, you, yeah, you use a great word just now, intelligent workflow. That's a brilliant uh, way of putting it. That's a yes, we're making our workflows intelligent. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 you just said it uh, as you were kind of uh, uh, um, <laughs> assessing this. Uh, it, it is. And, and if you think about it, see, they're, they're, what the discovery of object messaging is uh, AI is part of it. AI is only one part of it. But the real fundamental part is that uh, when you get together, humans, when they come together in, in, and aggregate it in, in, in what we call companies, you know, we, we, we come together and we make things, right? You know, and then, then we mass produce them, you know, thanks to uh, the invention of assembly line and we abstracted that and, and, and we uh, call it workflow and workflow is actually more complex than straight assembly lines because they're multidimensional, you know, because they're virtual. You can create all kinds of crazy workflows that if you uh, were to create them in, in, in reality, you couldn't because it's 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 a five dimensional thing. You know, here it goes. The form I fill out section, I give it to you. You decide, oh, this needs to go upstairs. Oh no, this one goes downstairs. Or this goes to the office next door. You know, so you could route them in different ways, and the same thing. So that that the workflow is is much more complex. But uh, we humans, in order to do our work collectively, we need to communicate, and so these workflows are nervous systems that are really wiring the, these uh, neurons of this organization. If you imagine the humans are the neurons, the actual creative elements that generate energy, generate information and consume information. And, and the, this nervous system is connecting all these people together. And we also walk to each other and sit there and face to face and we exchange information. You know, this is this, we do some of the, some of this stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, in meetings and take notes and, and hand uh, uh, sticky notes. But the majority of the information is, is what's in the system, right? And these systems, the way they communicate uh, needs to change. Now, we're going to get into it much more deeply with him in our next pod, the next two pods coming up, because he has a really fascinating way and breakthrough paradigm of looking at this. But what does it come down to? a new way of thinking, a new way of modeling what you do. So let's break it down with you in the DataWise Director case study, freeing time with Google Annex for those lost in spreadsheets. Now, a lot of the GPTs that came out were really cool. Like if you look at, remember, always go to my blog post. I've got tons more information for you to put this into action. Don't just listen to this. You can see the Simpsonize Me GPT, where you upload a picture and it makes you look like a Simpson character, which is sort of fun and, and a cool use. There's another one where Rowan Cheung creates a Twitter social engagement GPT. And what's really interesting about his, it tells him what time, what type of content to post on Twitter. See, what he's doing and what I'm doing with my data-wise is inspired by these two because 
The goal has to be, and if you're creating any sort of AI automation, whether that's just to help you in your family life or in business, you got to be able to identify something very clearly, very specific, and then think about who's involved. Because that's where in step three, we come into communication, right? You need to identify it. So when I looked at this, I saw Google Analytics. Most people are lost. Hey, digital marketing pros get it. They work with spreadsheets, but most people are not comfortable with it. So my goal was to empower somebody to use these spreadsheets, but not have to use it as a spreadsheet. Let AI, my GPT DataWise director, look at it for them, identify the key numbers, the key things they should be looking at, and give them a 30-day action plan. Think about that. I want this person to be able to take this and either do it themselves or bring it to their team. This is not intended for like really big enterprise, massive corporations that everyone else in AI is targeting. I'm looking to help regular businesses, small businesses, small meaning less than half a billion dollars in earnings, really most of them between a million, 30 million in earnings, and those smaller businesses below a million who just want to automate some of this. And to them, they don't have the time to go through the spreadsheets. They just be, need to be told what's working and what's not. And what I did for my goal was also very specifically, and let's bring it, you're doing an AI automation. What is that goal? Now, I could apply this goal to anyone running a business, but the fact is I applied it to somebody like the AI optimist who's doing content, podcasts, blog posts, articles, reviews, and actually just needs to know organically, are people coming? Where are they coming from? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Now, I didn't tie this into conversions and e-commerce or ad buyers. Not that I couldn't, but in this goal, my goal has to be addressed to a very specific market. So if you're doing an automation or a GPT, what is that market and who is actually going to do what you're sharing with them to do? So after the goals, which are very, very simple, there's the effort, step two. Efforts obviously involves who's involved and what are the tasks? What do they have to do to get this thing done? And so for me, I know for knowing Google Analytics really as a pro, I wanted to break it down for people like visitors. Who are they? Where are they from? What countries are they from? And did they come from search or did they come from social media or did they just type in the AI optimist into the, into the browser to find me? I analyzed those channels and how did they engage? Did they stay for one minute, two minutes? I like people to stay for two minutes or more, preferably five or 10, but honestly, that's a little hard to measure when you do audio and video like I do as well on YouTube. Different channels, different attention spans, but we wanna get more than 30 seconds to a minute, right? Otherwise we don't have their attention. And then conversion tracking, I haven't frankly implemented it because I get emails for this, but that's one thing that could be put into this. And then we have things like a bounce rate, goal improvement. Bounce rate means if somebody comes and leaves immediately, that's a bounce. So I wanna know if they're bouncing, they're not reading, they're not paying attention. Again, this is what DataWise Director does as an automation. I set this up so these are the numbers that my GPT, DataWise Director, will then analyze for you as the user. Event values, goals, what you're trying to do, you know, with your business that already built into Google, content and page value analysis, and then different sort of lead qualifications. So long story short, what I've done is set up a system that allows you to take a look at this and is really hopefully an intelligent workflow because that's what it is. We're just breaking this down into goals, 
efforts, what does it? And then step three, communicate. How is this communicated to you? In this case, I didn't want my users to get another spreadsheet, even though I gave them that option, if they like spreadsheets and graphs, but I wanted it to just sort of outline who are the key users? What are my top pages? What's been trending good? What's been doing bad? And to give them a 30-day action plan so they know what to do next. So let's bring it back to your GPT or automation. After somebody uses it, you communicate to them. But if I'm communicating to you your data analysis, what's sort of funny is that's all past history. That's not existing right now. Does that make sense? Because I can only tell you what happened yesterday or before. I can't tell you what's happening today with Google Analytics. That's just the way it works. So what I want you to do, though, after you use this, is to have a 30-day action plan to look at the things, improve what you do, and come back month after month for repeat usage. Because any GPT assistant agent you design or use has to give you ongoing value. It's not just a one-off, right? Just like you use your mapping software anytime you travel, the same thing applies to GPTs or automations. So I include on the screen here how I actually asked ChatGPT to help me improve it. I got in a discussion with it both to create this GPT, which is basically an app for you to be able to analyze your analytics simply and get a 30-day action plan with suggestions for improvements. But when this back and forth happened, I didn't have to go out to another person. I didn't have to set schedules, Zoom meetings, all this stuff. I was able to get it done really simply. So check out the post to be able to read in depth what's going on and to be able to put in your own action plan. And number four, review and revisit. And what this means simply is AI isn't perfect. We think that we just magically made this up and then we get angry at it when it doesn't have a right answer. Imagine if that was an employee who you do quarterly and yearly reviews with. Why? Because we want to take a look at how we can improve it, what we did wrong, and honestly, revisit our goals. Our goals may be flawed. A lot of people keep trying to prove the goal right when it's not the right goal to be chasing. Listen to your data, listen to your AI agent, listen to your GPT to be able to give you that guidance. So what it was able to tell me is we need a little customization for different business models. It came back and said, hey, you need to do e-commerce, ad buyers, and that's all great. User-friendly dashboards. You can see some of the feedback if you read on the pod, on the pod page to be able to get more detail here. But in the end, I include a couple of more examples for healthcare and education, how you can also automate this. But let's bring this down to you, what you want to do next. Free your time with AI, GPTs, assistants, and agents. Even Bill Gates is saying it's crazy not to have an AI assistant. This is happening. It's like a mapping software for your life or your business. Pick a task, find out what you want to do, set a goal that's achievable, specific, number one. Number two, spell out the efforts. That's really what's called a workflow and make it intelligent. You don't want to have too much on your plate. Number three, communicate. How does it communicate to you? How does it communicate to others who are working with you if this is a job? Or if it's your family, how, does, how do you communicate the different elements of the family? And number four, review and revisit it. In fact, what I want to show you is that's what I've done with DataWise Director. So you can go in, somebody can upload a PDF or a CSV of their Google Analytics, which you can do automatically with Google, and then be able to just sit back and get the information and be told what to do next. That's the core of a good AI agent, helping you get things done and doing all this 20 to 40% of busy work, admin, running, sharing files, sending emails, and getting them out of the way. 
And in fact, as we conclude here, I'm going to share with you two more examples, two use case studies of people who are using AI agents. First one is about B2B. So let's jump into targeting an AI. When you're working with people, because I know at DWI, and that's DIWY.EU for those folks who want to find out Jonathan's work, at DWI, you have a whole approach that you obviously do with clients, and then also you have your appointment hacker. Talk to me about targeting, like when you're working with people, how do you use AI to target and what are some of the good things and bad things about using AI for targeting? Yeah, so this is where it comes back to common sense again, right? So before you use AI, you have to really know two things. You have to know your ideal client profile and you have to know what your value proposition is. And to, to your ideal client profile, you don't need a fancy, you know, 17 page PowerPoint on your ideal client profile. You don't have to know their deepest psychological demons and secrets. When you're talking B2B, basically you have to understand like what's the company, the industry, the niche, the level of seniority that you want to talk to. What are they facing? What are their job descriptions? How long they've been in the job? What are the challenges they're facing? What are they studying? What, what decisions do they have to make? That's the ICP research you want to do. What's the size of the company, how many employees, and so on and so forth. And once you have that, you have a good starting point, right? And you understand your ideal client profile. So that means you have to understand, well, if that's my ideal client profile, why is that my ideal client profile? I must have a, a solution to the problem I think they're facing. Step number one. Step number two, your value proposition is very simple. Like I simplified it down to like a fifth grade level. You want to 10x the stuff they want, and you want to reduce the stuff that they don't want by at least 50%. Overly simplified, right? That's a good value proposition, like 10x or more the good stuff that they want and reduce by 50% or more the stuff that they don't want. So you have those two, you have a good ICP and then you have a good value proposition. Now you have the foundation for a great offer. Now what's gonna make the offer even great or better is conversations with people. This is where AI comes in. So once you have understanding of like, what's my ICP or what's the, the, the value proposition, now it comes to targeting and you go, okay, um, for example, we have two different targets at DW, right? DW, like you said, is spelled D-I-W-Y, which stands for do it with you. And we have two core audiences, two ICP. One is the startup that's below uh, 300,000. They've been around for two years, maybe three. They have a team of about six people. And um, all their sales have been generated predominantly through their network, through hustle, through charm, through grit, whatever it takes. They got there to the first couple hundred thousand sales. They built a tech platform. They've self-funded it, raised a little bit of money from the government agencies and whatever. And now they're two years into it. And all of a sudden the founder wakes up, let's call it a 3 a.m. brainstorming session, right? And like, crap, how do I generate leads? I know this because I've talked to, just this summer alone, I've talked to over 120 startups in Europe and the US and in Asia and in Africa, live, in person, either virtual, in conferences i walked the floor i shook hands i'm like what's going on what are you guys looking for and that's that's one profile and then the other profile is they're at half a million to seven hundred thousand in sales they've been around for three years about 15 people and um they are just keep hitting five six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand they keep hitting that that ceiling they can't break a million because if once they break a million they know they can go raise more money at better terms yeah. And investors are shrewder than ever, right? Wow. I, I love how Jonathan makes it so simple to actually go out and do this for small companies using AI. And Jonathan has a very small company. 
very small, uses AI to fill in those tasks, right? Just like I've been telling you. Well, let's take a listen now for my podcast with William Adams. Remember, he actually created a mapping software for his brother, who is not a tech, who couldn't afford to have consultants come in and actually made it so he could use it and automatically write and send grant proposals out for his business. Take a listen. Uh, I recognize that these applications, uh, typically you had to pay a consultancy or someone like that to put together an app like this. And they charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars and take a whole long time and blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't want that. We want um, my brother to be able to say things um, like, okay, uh, we want to show a map that has all the bus stops uh, in the territory on it. And he's going to do this once in a while. Um, he's not going to become an expert in this app. There's this thing called ArcGIS, which is like the be-all, end-all of um, global information systems. And it's like the book on it is like that thick. And there's yeah. people that charge millions of dollars to play with it. It's like, okay, he can't afford that, but he needs to do the same things that that system does, mm -hmm. right? So verbally, he can just say what he wants. So that's the first level of AI is just taking um, speech to text, right? right? And then the commands, once you have the commands just translated, you can now feed that into uh, a backend, a large language model, if you will, that will turn that into commands to the system itself. So this large language model knows about the commands for the system, the mapping yeah. system. Yeah. So he can just... You know, he hasn't touched the system for six months. He can bring it up and say, um, show me how much it's going to cost me to put a fiber line between this housing unit and that trunk line right there. And it knows all of this. It knows the formula for how to calculate per mile. It knows how to calculate the distance between two points. It knows how to display a graph. It'll generate a graphic. It'll display it on the screen. And it'll give the calculation, oh, it's going to cost, you know, uh, $5 million, whatever it is. Um, there you go. Great. Take that image, put it in a PDF, and attach it to this email to send for this grant that we're currently applying for. Well, it knows how to create a PDF. It knows how to send an email. It knows that. It knows what the grant is. It knows the email address of the, the place he's supposed to send this grant, blah, blah, blah. So this is how the system helps him, right? Mm. These are all steps that in the past, he would have had to either pay a consultancy or he would have had to have someone on staff full-time who's like into this system because it's fairly complex, right? And if he wants to do anything new, it's like, oh, now I've got to wait a few months while someone codes that up. So that's how you use AI. It's like someone like my brother, who's a CEO kind of person, not a tech kind of person, um, can just say what they need. And behind the scenes, you've done enough of the plumbing and, and composition of small pieces that a system can stitch it together and provide you with a solution, right? Yeah. That's how you use AI. It's like, it has nothing to do with it taking your job or, you know, oppressing you or any of these other things. It's just really <laughs> right. practical. Well, that's not 100% automated. How powerful is that? So take that approach when creating AI automation to help you as a personal assistant, AI agent, or GPT. What do you want to solve? 
what is that thing that you really don't like? In fact, one of the questions I ask people when I consult with them is, what is the part of your business you hate the most? And is there an automation we can do that will help the people that are working there, not necessarily replace them? Hey, nothing is perfect, but successful and available, and it's only going to improve. You want to 10x your results, which is in Silicon Valley, they talk about AI first. How can we 10x our productivity? Well, that's a really pretty intimidating challenge. What could you do to double or triple your time or save yourself one, two, four, 10 hours a week? See, every day can be Black Friday for freeing your time when you understand and explore AI's power to simplify your life and business. Don't be afraid. It's there to help you. Just think through it. What do you want to get done today? And how can you free your time so every day is an AI Black Friday for you? The AI Optimist. My name's Declan, and I'm done. See you next time. <laughs>